Alpha has a way of making you forget. You really don't remember anything? There are echoes left. Feelings. I was ordinary, that much I know. And when it all went down, my sister and I kept making bad decisions. We needed someone to make them for us. And then we met Alpha. You met the wrong person first. If you'd met my mom and my dad, you wouldn't be in that cell. Hey Zedheads, welcome to our podcast. I'm Michael. I'm just kidding. I'm Jason. It's just as bad. <laughs> and I'm, I guess. Uh, I'm neither Jason nor Michael. I'm Lucy. <laughs> and this is the Walking Dead cast episode 387. That was a slasher villain joke. In case you guys, didn't I love get that. it. <laughs> I just realized when you were saying I'm Michael, I'm like, no, you're J. Oh, you are Jason. <laughs> yeah, I, I used to work at a movie theater, and when uh, one of the Jason movies came to our theater, it's probably like Jason 10 or something. I uh, changed my name tag just so people would stop. Just stop. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just stop. Just stop. There was one a couple of years ago, wasn't there, like, Jason... Oh, I don't even remember. Or was it Michael Myers? Uh, we watched it on one of our streaming services. It was super recent, but it was quite yeah. entertaining. Halloween, yeah. right? With uh, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, was it Halloween? You know... Yeah, because Jamie there... Lee Curtis came back for it. Yeah. There are actually three movies named Halloween because they keep rebooting it. But um, this is, oddly enough, the one where they decided to have it be a sequel to the very first Halloween and ignore the rest. So it's yeah, Halloween. Yeah, because Jamie Lee Curtis has become like a kind of hermit lady. Yeah, it was great. I loved really it. Really badass. It was actually pretty yeah. fun, I have to say. It I was very much it. had the, the whole 70s aesthetic to it. And they got John Carpenter back to do the music and everything. Mm-hmm. It's, it's definitely cool. worth watching. I think there's an evil like English journalist in it, which I find quite funny because <laughs> we always seem to be the bad guys. <laughs> yeah, and they had those uh, true crime podcasters to keep it modern. That was it. He wasn't. Yes, that was it. Yeah. No, it's worth. It's actually worth a watch. Um, it made yeah. me laugh at some points, but it was actually pretty good, all things considered. Well, I think the sequel to that comes out this October. Oh, maybe you should cover it. Halloween Kills. <laughs> sure next one's um, Halloween dead <laughs> well I think the last one's called Halloween dies or something like that <laughs> I'm serious <laughs> they're doing three Anyways. I'm googling this shit <laughs> <laughs> yeah so figure out what it's called and while you do that I'll remind everyone this episode's made possible by Patreon supporters like Amelie Rochette who've pledged their support at patreon.com slash Jason and Karen so merci beaucoup to Amelie um, Karen and I covered Parasite, the Oscar-winning Parasite on our 
most recent Patreon exclusive Jason and Karen show. We just put that out a few days ago and uh, maybe I'll put a clip in on the next walking dead cast episode. It was really fun. I also had a long segment on flat earthers, which I oh. <laughs> totally hate. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm a flat earther. Did I not tell you? Oh, sorry. Sorry. Right. It's, it's my medieval podcast view is over. <laughs> it is um, Halloween trilogy release dates confirmed. Michael Myers returns in Halloween Kills and Halloween Ends. Okay, so pretty close. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, me too. I hope they're as good as this last one. All right, let's get into this week's episode. Attention shoppers, Deadcast Top Five in five, four, three, two. Okay, it's Deadcast Top 5 this week. It's our Top 5 Highlights for Walking Dead Season 10, Episode 10, Stalker. Did mm. you like it? I did. Mm-hmm. Did you? Yeah, I thought it was great. I love when they do I... make our zombie show an actual, seem like a horror movie. It's so great. I was looking at it and I was like, have we ever actually seen a hand burst out from the grave no, in this show? I don't think we so. We haven't, have we? I was like, <laughs> they're not gonna. They're not. Oh, they're gonna. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> well, here's the thing. And I'm... Listeners to the podcast who've been paying attention know that I've been wanting that ever since this podcast started. Yeah. <laughs> and so when I saw that, I was like, it's happening. Oh, my God. <laughs> but, um, you know, like, it doesn't really count <laughs> because no, I know it it's a live person. It's not <laughs> like I like the idea of somebody being buried and, and de- a dead person and then they come back to life and then they come back mm-hmm. out of the ground. And this is... Um, Beta McToon knives going through a whisper tunnel. <laughs> I just feel like Ryan Hurst must have been having the best. Oh time yeah, doing this you know, <laughs> even though I'm kind of dogging on it, it was cool. But it, I still don't feel like satiated. But I still thought that it was pretty pretty cool for them to do oh, that. Oh yeah, definitely. It was kind of a tongue in cheek, like oh, oh yeah, yeah, oh, no, exactly. Nah. No homage. <laughs> but what gets me, and maybe I'm being picky, but it's the same thing that happened in in Rise of Skywalker. Actually, this is in reverse. But if there's an underground cavern, like in Rise of Skywalker, they this is just a little tiny spoiler of one moment, but they fall through like this quicksand and they end up in this cavern below. But oh, yeah. if you're falling through something like that wouldn't it all just collapse in on it like how can you have a soft cover and then a cavern below it same thing here he's coming through a tunnel and then it comes up through the soft dirt i was a little confused about the tunnel logistics um it seemed to me as i understand it Mm -hmm. that we've always known that there are tunnels because carl basically died in one almost or or came back i forgot about that yeah yeah so we've known that there are tunnels and also aaron and maggie have a a whole episode where she goes looking for glenn um in the tunnel so we know they're there but i couldn't understand how the alexandrians didn't know that there's a tunnel like literally right into an area Mm -hmm. that they hadn't figured out but i misunderstood something the first time i watched this episode so scott and gabriel are looking at the grave and one of them says this was Dante. And I thought they meant this was Dante's grave. Me too, but I've first. just realized no. oh, Dante was Dante's d- like digging a tunnel. Like in Caddyshack, the gopher. Yeah. <laughs> Dante did so much in the um, short time he was right. there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So just, was that was a little like, silly too. I thought that like they have tunnels going from their R V into Alexandria. 
Yeah, the RV confused me. Is, is this where the whispers like have downtime? It's like behind the scenes at Walker Stalker, the green room. It's like, oh, we just come here and chill for a bit and then we leave. <laughs> anyway. Okay, let's get into the top five. What you got? Um, I am going to go for my number five. I would like to talk about Lydia. Lydia came back, which was nice. Yeah, I um, agree. I'm glad she's back. I was glad she wasn't a hallucination. And I loved yeah. that she came in wearing a poncho and with the crossbow, because I think that like says everything about who <laughs> yeah. she has chosen to be her family right. now. She's doing cosplay, Daryl cosplay. Yeah, she I, is. you're right. Like, I, I think they wanted us to wonder if it was a hallucination because Alpha was already sort of speaking to ghosts, it seemed like. And so... And she yeah. was all blurry, so you thought maybe she wasn't real. Her dialogue was so creepy. It was like, the people who have broken me, I can see them standing thank all around you. me. It was really like, oh, <laughs> thank you. Um, so it was nice to see Lydia. And I thought the scene with her and her mum was really powerful. And I, I totally buy that Lydia wouldn't be able to do that. Um, I, I know it's frustrating that both Alpha and Beta are still alive at the end of this episode, despite two chances for them both to be dead, at least two chances. But I did buy that Lydia wouldn't do that because I think Lydia still has a shred of humanity left that she hasn't quite shed um, in the way that she would need to in order to like help her mum stab herself in the gut. Like, yeah. Dark. I mean, when um, Daryl said, did you kill her? And she said, would you have been able to kill your dad? That part pretty much said it all. Yeah, exactly. And Daryl's like, oh, no. oh, um, okay, I like, yeah. okay, fair enough. <laughs> I like that she picked up some, like when Daryl wakes up and she goes kind of easy, easy. I was like, that's such a Dixon kind of move to say something like, oh, easy. Like you're talking to a horse or something when you're talking to a person. <laughs> um, and I like the, I like the dialogue with her and Daryl where she just says she's been waiting out there deciding. And Daryl says deciding what, but we kind of know what yeah. she's been deciding, and that's that she's between gonna be the loyal cult or the, civilization, yeah, yeah, the cult or the humans, and <laughs> she picked the humans. Yeah. And I like that she said to her mum, um, "Humans, they're not perfect, but they're human, and that's all I wanted." And I thought that was a really nice, um, a really nice moment in a way, in kind of a very dark, bleak uh, setting. So yeah, I thought it was nice to see Lydia again. I'm glad that she's back. We haven't; she's only been out for like one episode, really, but it seems like longer because of the season breaks. So it was good to see her. And yeah, see where she's at. I hadn't thought about that yet. Felt felt like more episodes to me. But yeah, yeah when um, I don't want to jump to this topic, but uh, just quickly mention that when Rosita said to Gamma, "Well, your the other whisperer just killed the father of my child two days ago," that was like, "Oh yeah, that was yeah." just now Super recent. <laughs> i'm actually not sure where alpha and negan got their sexy time in because we just saw alpha come out of the cave and i'm like huh did she run back <laughs> hook up with negan and then run back to the cave like uh, i don't know she's got a busy schedule it's hard to tell yeah yeah hey, when you're at the top like that you have to manage your time well yeah beta keeps a little like yeah, pan pilot little with all her stuff planner. on it yeah <laughs> at two o'clock you have to go and see negan <laughs> yeah it doesn't say why well, what are you doing no, no that's none of your business just put that's it none of your business calendar. beta <laughs> go and get my starbucks <laughs> right. well um yeah i mean i think it's a pretty big deal that alpha she tried to pass the mantle on to lydia that says a lot yeah. about where she's you know i mean i think as much as alpha has been saying you need to give up all your attachments we've talked about this before she's still mm -hmm. got this strong attachment to lydia and mm -hmm. um this whole thing about thank you for the pain because it made me strong is that that's what this moment is all about i think she wanted lydia to be the one to kill her because that would help 
turn her into the kind of person that could lead the whispers. Mm-hmm. Although I, I exactly. still think she's nowhere close to that. I, I think that was heavily misguided. No, not at all. Right? Not at all. <laughs> Lydia's still got her innocence to an extent. Like yeah. she's seen a lot of dark stuff. I think more so than in the comic, this Lydia is definitely way more childlike. Um because yeah. there's yeah, there's some dark kind of sexual stuff in the comics that they haven't gone into in the show. And I think she that allows this Lydia to like keep that. she ate the worm, that was yeah. like the closest thing. Yeah. <laughs> Although they really hate worm eaters, Gabe's like those whispers eating Dirty worms. Worm and I'm like, I'm like Hey, worms are protein. A worm. <laughs> like, <laughs> but uh that moment where she uh was having her push the knife into her, um mm. I felt like that was like the Emperor telling Luke strike me down and your journey to the dark side will be complete kind of yes. like that and absolutely there's all this mother daughter you know alpha singing lydia the tattooed lady reminds us of when lydia was younger and i think her mom mm-hmm. was singing that to her or at least her dad was but yes. still the yeah. mother daughter thing and then her saying push push i just felt like that was like a perversion of so many childbirth scenes that we've seen in yes, movies but instead so of a mother giving birth to her daughter it's a mother trying to get her daughter to kill her which is whisper sick and twisted and that kind of continues on with alpha sort of being reborn at the end where she's like you know i've shed yeah i mean she's clearly suffering from a great deal of blood loss and possibly sepsis but she's like i've shed my attachments (laughs) you know she's yeah stronger than ever yeah that's the thing they've got their whole mantra uh we we bathe in blood we are free we love no one we are free we fear nothing we are free this is the end of the world and she's saying that you know now's the end of the world i feel like this is the first time this is a big turning point for alpha this is the first time that she's said that and really really meant it because mm-hmm. i think if if what i'm getting out of this is right she's finally written lydia off and yes this, i think so she says i'm no longer weak i'm stronger than ever like the pain of having lydia give her this ultimate rejection is this she's like thankful for pain so this is the Mm -hmm. pain that has finally allowed her to be the kind of thing that she's been preaching to everybody else which means yeah. yeah so this means that the reason why that they played the music like this is a big moment at the end there is because now mm-hmm. alpha's like f- in full nihilism mode i think yeah i think so i do have one small suspension department of the suspension of disbelief yeah. that i only realized on the second watch because i was thinking to myself it would take ages to carve that into the wood would you not just want to get going and then i realized lydia's illiterate <laughs> so who wrote that because <laughs> well I'm she's been learning she to read I don't right. know. I'm guessing she didn't. She wasn't like, Daryl, Daryl, I know you're bleeding out, but could you help me just spell this? <laughs> I just want to say, um, I think it, I just want to say your slip, way. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Maybe she can write. Uh, can write. I don't know. But it just made me laugh because I was suddenly like, hang on, two episodes ago, she was illiterate. Like, what's going on she here? She was learning. So, she was learning. <laughs> but uh, yeah, she wrote or somebody wrote your way is not the only way. And I'm like, I bet, yes. I mean, many a child has said that to many a parent. That's yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I, I really liked um, this cool little thing where alpha is sort of fading and Lydia's there and Alpha's saying, I need you. I need you. I want you to. And then she closes her eyes and opens them and then it's light out and Lydia's gone and mm. she finishes her, sentiment stay and but i think a lot of time passed in between there and it reminded me of if i remember right in the pilot when rick was in the hospital and blinking in and out of consciousness and i think he saw shane bringing him flowers and then he blinks out and opens his eyes and the flowers are dead it was Mm -hmm. like a similar 
kind of little cool. It really moment. was actually. Did you yeah, that, playing or? with time. Yeah, yeah, I did. Now that you mentioned it, I'm like, yeah, that's cool. I like the way that it played with time a little bit, and in a way, that's kind of when we realised that Lydia was real. Is when she wakes up in the the time has passed and we see the knife and we see the the writing because we're like oh okay, you know for Darryl's sure gone. yeah we know for sure that it was definitely something that really happened yeah <gasps> and the, the last thing i'll say about this is um with daryl lydia says pain made me and pain made you and I like that because there's all these parallels between Daryl and Lydia and Daryl and, and Alpha too. Mm-hmm. But um, li- uh, that's true for Daryl. You know, he's had a lot of abuse. And mm-hmm. uh, I think I was starting to think that Alpha has a bit of a Merle vibe to her sometimes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I feel she that. She might trigger yep. him a little bit. I think so. And I think it's nice that, you know, Daryl and it's the humanity of still being able to love. And I loved that what really riled Alpha was the intimation that she didn't love her daughter. But, I mean, she doesn't display her love in a healthy way, does she? You know, she may think she loves her, but she's yeah. not. What'd you say, boy? Yeah, oh, that was very Merle. I yeah, thought that line right. was very Merle. I was like, whoa. Um, yeah, so what about you? What was your number five? We'll go with that one, the whole Alpha Lydia thing. Oh, awesome. Okay. Um, for men number four, uh, I'll continue on. I had the gas station uh, generally. I thought that was a really cool setup. I mean, at no point did I think Alpha or Daryl was actually going to die, but I thought it was done quite well. It was quite tense. And I liked that they sort of weakened both of the characters believably. Like, they're both heavily injured. It wasn't like Superman stuff at this point. Mm-hmm. It was like, what could Alpha do? Oh, she could hit the um, hit a pipe off the wall and get the walkers to come. And that's terrifying. And it played really well into something that comes back with Beta, which is the way that the Whisperer is completely in control of their fear around walkers. Like, they yeah. don't move. They can just be entirely still. And whereas when you look at Daryl, it reminded me of, like, when I tried to get my cat in the box to go to the vet, and he's, like, scrabbling, like, nah, fuck off, I'm not going to do this, I'm not going to go in my box. Yeah. And, like, Daryl's, like, that kind of frantic energy when the walkers are coming. And I loved when he pulled the knife out of his leg and we got a proper arterial blood spurt. Yeah. I love realistic blood work. <laughs> that was good. 10 out of 10. It was cool because <laughs> he had it there, and I'm like, Oh, I guess he doesn't want to pull it out because it's too deep in there. But then when he was getting attacked, I'm like, you're going to have to use that. You're going to have to totally do it, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was a good scene. Um, I like the effect of the blood obscuring his vision and them just being totally on the verge of death, but trying to deal with the situation. It was a good scene. And it was a believable kind of scrabble between the two of them that led up to it. I liked that Daryl used the element of surprise and confusion mm-hmm. to kind of break up that herd. But it didn't feel too much like one overpowering the other. It felt like a believable fight. And Alpha, yeah, she gets the blood in his eyes, but he also manages to drive this like kind of stake into her shoulder. And he's mm-hmm. he's firing on pure like rage at this point. And I think that's a really powerful place because we don't actually these days we don't see Daryl lose control as much. Whereas in the early days he would fly off the handles super duper easily. Whereas now he's this kind of like zen daryl who has a dog and is very chill about things and it was nice to see that kind of feral daryl come back and really go for alpha backed into a Um, corner kind of daryl 
Yeah, and we do now know that there is another exit from the cave, so that is something to mm. bear in mind. Yeah, those guys are going to be fine, I think. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, let's see. Yeah, I mean, when Daryl did attack, go in and attack, I thought, oh, man, you, you're you're outnumbered here. So that was pretty harrowing. I thought it was handled mm. pretty well, the whole thing. I was like, this episode, much like even more than last week, there were several moments where I was like, oh, my God, oh, my God. What's going to yeah. happen here? <laughs> That's good. They're really upping the kind of thriller tension yeah. this season, and I'm really here for it. It was very, yeah. very powerful. It bums me out that people are dropping off, too. Like, I was just, uh, maybe Cindy, I don't know if you still listen to the podcast, but she told me she's kind of losing interest, too, and oh, Karen no. is, and I'm like, no, it's so good right now. Come on, you guys. Cindy Peterson. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, Cindy, she's no, only, come She's back. a couple episodes behind, but. She'll come back. They all yeah, come she back. Might. <laughs> You will walk with your friends again. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, oh, the old Zeds in the gas station scene as well, when she summoned them out of the woods by um, tapping, they're looking great. These kind of hollow zombies that have got sort of roots and plants growing out of them. That's awesome. <laughs> I love the kind of really aged zombies that they're using now. So that was 10 out of 10 for kind of special effects there as well. Yeah, so the whole they sort of merge with the environment these days. Yeah, it's really creepy, but I love it. Um, so that yeah, the whole gas station setup, I was pleasantly surprised to find I did enjoy because if you described it to me as like Alpha and Daryl are going to hang out at a gas station and bleed and <laughs> not really do very much, I'd have been like, oh, that sounds crap. But I actually quite liked the way that they did it. Yeah, that was good. Okay, my number four, I'll go with all the beta stuff because yeah. it was really fun to see beta as 80 slasher movie killer. So good. Did you, you, so yeah, I mean, the the original Halloween, I mm -hmm. watched some of it as a kid and scared the shit out of me. It's so freaking scary, that <laughs> film. This one, you know, actually the first time I was watching through when Beta's in the house slashing everybody up and he's got his two knives there, mm -hmm. I just kept thinking, Frowny McTwo knives, Frowny McTwo knives. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so, so hard it, not to. It killed the tension a little bit. <laughs> It's like, is he frowning? But, uh, he's got how many knives? Oh, two, he's frowning McTuna. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow, the second time, that, that wasn't coming into my head, so I was getting more yeah. into it. But I don't know how much of this is pulled straight from Halloween because I haven't seen it in a while, but I have a feeling they pretty much just copied some scenes. But if not, it was mm. at least heavily influenced by it. Oh, definitely. There were a few things I noticed where I was like, yeah, I feel like yeah. this is definitely pulling off halloween right uh, for one thing alexandria does look like a typical american neighborhood that you might see kids walking around in their halloween costumes it really costumes. does and they really <laughs> emphasized that in this episode they showed us like the insides of houses yeah. the town hall like it was very much like this is a civilization nice neighborhood and i loved when the two despicable dudes are bragging about how oh, one guy bragging about how he beat up classic. lydia and she He's like, right when he says, I'm telling you, one-on-one, -on -one, the whispers are a joke, and the camera swings around, and there's Beta behind them with his knives, big it's Michael amazing. Meyer knife, and the light goes it. out right away. And then <gasps> they look over into the black, but it's pitch black, so... It was you know. so good. And then we have the amazing kind of pull-out shot yeah, where you see him going from through, the oh, street and you see the lights in the house and the people and he's coming through ah, slashing them all up and screams yeah. and then the lights go out <laughs> and there's more screams that i bet you that's right out of halloween i think so some of the listeners probably know and then they're inside uh the camera goes back inside they're all 
bloody and there's just one bloody guy crawling away. Everyone oh. else is dead. But Beta doesn't even bother with him because he's about to bleed out. And then he sits there and meditates. And It's so creepy. <laughs> I, I loved it. And I, I didn't understand what he was doing, but I just thought, well, I know Ryan Hurst is a big meditator, so I wonder if he oh, put he? that in there. Yeah. In fact, at, the, at Walker Stalker Atlanta, he held a meditation for people to come and meditate. Are you kidding me? Meditate with Beta. (laughs) He should do that anyway. Like even without the cons, he could make a packet doing that. (laughs) Yeah. Require that you wear your whisper outfits. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, then when you see what happens that he's just waiting for them to rise and become his minions. I Mm. love that. It was so cool. I don't know if I've ever seen anything like that before. Oh, it was so creepy. Well, actually it reminded me of something that I know you have seen which is the Night King at the end of Hard oh, Home. right, yeah. Like, raising his arms and they totally. all come up. It was yes. that same vibe of, like, I am completely in control <laughs> of what is happening. It was right. so cool. Yeah, very <laughs> much so, yeah. So then um, when he goes and finds Gamma and he's unlocking the door, she's like, uh, that's, no, no, she lied. This place isn't what she said it was. <laughs> so that was really scary. And he's all, these are not your people. She's your alpha. And then he reveals that, you know, she, he says, um, Alpha wants him or wants her. So that kind of gave Gamma a little confidence. Mm-hmm. She says, he said something like, you know, come back and your death will be painless. But she, she wanted to be the one to kill her. And Beta's like, or Gamma's like, all she wants is me in pain. You're lying for her. But anyways, um, then Laura comes in and puts the, pointy shovel thingy to beta's throat and i'm right away thinking well she's dead mm-hmm. that's what i thought but then again this show has made me think that a bunch of times lately and it doesn't come to pass so you never really know for sure but yeah it turns out he just pretty much breaks her in half is what it looked like or he just like cracked her yeah. they did right? a good job of picking a character who we didn't love for that death like i mean laura has redeemed yeah. herself i guess but she's not someone who anyone's going to be like we've had 10 good seasons like she's it was brutal but it was effective (laughs) yeah i mean the thing about her is we saw her being so incredibly awful during all out war Mm -hmm. and just so punchable i'm sorry but she could be jared's girlfriend you know they'd make a good couple um (laughs) But then um, after the time jump, she was on the city council. So you presume, oh, I guess she made good. She turned everything around. But we never saw, as far as yeah, I remember, we never, we never saw, saw her anything. make good. <laughs> yeah. We just saw the aftermath, which is kind of cool. I mean, it's different. But yeah, we I thought we would get to know her. And apparently we were not going to get to know her. So It's a okay. moment silence for Laura where we play some sad music, like the theme from Titanic. <laughs> we're like, sorry, Laura. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then what else? So then um, he gets shot through the door and that I jumped at that. That was, it, it, I was literally sitting there and Peter was going, Judith, will, Judith has a gun. Judith's going to shoot him. <laughs> Shut up. And then the gunshot came and I was like. <gasps> That's awesome. And here's some of the music that was playing right then, which I think they are deliberately kind of making sound John Carpenter-ish. Mm. Here we go. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Definitely. 
the music too too through the whole episode has been it's kind of quick heartbeat music it's very they've been doing that lately it's really effective. and playing the whisper theme on an electric guitar when beta comes out of the grave that was awesome yeah <laughs> it's, that's it's cool. So cool um and then sometimes when beta is stalking through the house the music just goes completely silent which is also really cool oh, um and then when he's like he gets shot and he's playing dead and then grabs her leg that's totally out of a michael myers or friday the 13th movie i was watching it and i was like why i know this is gonna happen i know i know that he's not dead i know that he's gonna grab her but it still made me jump and I was I like, why <laughs> and yeah anyway I, all that stuff was really thrilling um and cool and i loved it oh <laughs> uh, well my number three was slasher fix so mm-hmm. i i don't have much to add because i think that was all amazing um mm-hmm. The bit where he gets into the Grimes house um, with Judith and RJ, that to me went properly into like, you know, the babysitter looking after the kids in a yeah. slasher movie kind of thing. Sure. And, uh, you know, props to Gamma for looking after the children. But mm-hmm. why didn't Judith shoot him again? Because I was like, oh, she must have only had one bullet. But I had a look and I think there is more than one bullet in that gun. So I just mm. shoot double the tap, head, double tap. Judith. Double tap. My <laughs> God, who were your parents? Like, <laughs> <laughs> right. How would they talk to really, you well? Like I really hold Judith responsible for this now. Um, I thought the whole the whole Alexandria sequence was just so awesome, and yeah, exactly the same things you were saying. The music was incredible. It was just like something out of a horror film, and I really loved the kind of um, foreshadowing with Rosita in the very first scene, which felt again like a horror film where she's talking to Coco, and then it turns out there's a whisperer there, and I loved that kind of setting the tone of unease for the whole episode. Yeah, I think the resurrection scene, as I kind of called it, with Beta sitting in amongst all the dead was just the most creepy moment. The way that he and Alpha were so calm in the face of these zombies shows you, I think, the the edge that the whisperers have, like yeah. their biggest strength, is really not being afraid of of the walkers and being able to use them and you also know that when you're in conflict with them there's going to be that added complication yes and and it's what makes them it's one of the things that makes them feel fresh and different from the other villains we've seen on the show i think so and there there was one bit that made me laugh that probably shouldn't have which is when laura says to gamma go and get help and then gamma runs out into the street and i'm like how's she supposed to know what to do? She doesn't know anyone. So she's just standing help. there. She just kind of goes, help. <laughs> she should have like, screamed a little louder. Probably. Thought that one through a little bit, maybe. Um, did you notice that they call that street Morgan Street? Oh. Wow. Yeah, I wonder if Rick named that. And it was tainted now because we know where Morgan ended up. But, I know. You know. It's <laughs> cute that they call him that, I guess. Um, and yeah, the end of the scene where Gamma calls... Uh, Beta's bluff is really great. Um, I really, I was worried for Rosita. I was really worried for Rosita. Actually, um, I thought she and Ryan Hurst had a really great fight scene there, and yeah. Rosita got a good kind of saw in at his side. Like she did manage to yeah. land. She kind of warned there. him. Hey, I'm like, why'd you do that? Just go stab yeah. him. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was really satisfying. I really enjoyed it as an action piece. The thing about that last part gamma i mean it's fine she she took a big risk threatening to kill herself because who knows exactly how important it is to alpha to have her come back alive beta might have been like yeah that's fine go ahead mm. <laughs> but i know right she, she just <laughs> what, there was not much else she could have done so I, she was just basically yeah. trying to stop him from killing rosita i guess yeah i mean too exactly. he could well yeah yeah so that and it worked 
but then he uh, failed like uh yeah he runs away (laughs) he took her and well he took gamma that's why he was there i guess yeah and then i they walked down the main road and got ambushed and i'm like man after all that work and maybe you should have taken some of the back ways home or something yeah i did i wonder if gamma deliberately walked him that way right um but the other thing that made me laugh about that is like beta's talking to her at the start of that scene and what he's saying is quite sinister. He's like, you will walk with your sister again and things. And I'm like, maybe this is Beta trying to be nice. Maybe this is Beta's small talk. <laughs> right, he's like, fine. oh, it's going to be great. You're yeah, that's his small again. talk. No, well, no it sounds like he could be good friends. Him and Lizzie could have been good friends. <laughs> oh, definitely. I think they would have been like best pals. It would have been like Daryl and, uh, and Lydia. <laughs> Lizzie would have made such a great whisperer. These guys yeah. totally get it. That would be an amazing reveal if it turned out that Alpha was Lizzie the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> That's so yeah, uh, I agree. The slasher film aspect was excellent. It was such a good... I think I will forever refer to this episode as the slasher episode because it was just so uh, so well done in that yeah. sense. It's called Stalker, and I wonder if Walker Stalker is any influence on that title. Maybe not, but... I wonder who the... St- I was trying to guess who the stalker was. It was nearly one of my points because Daryl is stalking the Whisperers. But it yeah. seems like Lydia is stalking Daryl, but also Beta is stalking the people gamma. of Alexandria so yeah. and Gamma. Yeah, so there's a few. And I'm really glad that that asshole that beat Lydia up got killed. Like, I know I shouldn't take <laughs> pleasure in the death of people, but yeah. I think I wrote, because it reminded me of um, the two assholes when Glenn arrives in Alexandria. Uh, is it, It's not Spencer. It's Spencer's brother, whose name I can't remember, and nicholas and they're like oh we just go out and like beat up walkers or like hang them up and like shoot at them and things like that and i've written people who play with zeds get dead because it's not a good look (laughs) yeah those guys are douchebags they are douchebags (laughs) Um, nice guys in real life though i bet they are (laughs) is it Uh, my number two no i think it's my turn number three right yes Yes, so um, I just had other freaky deaky stuff. We've covered a lot of it. But when you mentioned when Rosita saw the whisper over the crib for a second there, I thought it might be real because whispers have been infiltrating a lot. But for something about how long the camera paused over it, I was like, no, this is a dream. It was because for me, it was because Rosita didn't react instantly. Yeah probably um, that was, it for that was my giveaway but then she says she, that she's been suffering from like freezing up so you know maybe not yeah right i mean i just figured and then when i saw the knife come down i'm like yeah that's a dream i think you're right it's because she didn't react but um i was you know i think the re- the reason they put that in there was to emphasize rosita's distrust of the whispers especially mm-hmm. around babies right before gamma gets there asking to yes. see her nephew you know, just yes. to remind us of what Rosita went through and everything. Mm-hmm. Daryl attacking the whispers. Yeah, we've already talked about all that. And yeah. Okay. So what's your number two? Uh, number two, I will go for Gamma because I liked Gamma in this episode. Um, I was thinking about Lydia and Gamma because I was trying to figure out how old Gamma's meant to be. And I wondered if she was like a, an apocalypse teenager so like was kind of in her early teens when it broke out and is now in her 20s and i liked that we learned a bit more about her mm-hmm. um i wasn't sure if she'd really forgotten or if she just didn't want to say about her family but she seems quite aware of the damage that i think she uh, forgot. Alpha has done to them she, she specifically can't remember what school she went to and i wasn't sure if that was 
supposed to be like elementary or college or what. Yeah, but, her age is because I read her as being late teens, early 20s. Who, just the way uh, she carries Gamma? herself. Yeah. She looks older, though, to me. She looks like d- she's in her early 30s to me. It's hard to tell under all that gunk. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like. But, but uh, I think the point was I mean, it's very much like what happens in cults and and this cult is all about your identity isn't important you're you're Mm. no one you're that's all dead now and if she's been involved in that and she said you know um alpha has a way of making all that disappear or whatever she Mm. said i think she was being sincere about that it was a nice interaction with her and Judith. Um, yeah. And I liked that she said, my sister and I kept making bad decisions and we found someone to make them for us. And it was quite touching what Judith said about you met the wrong person mm-hmm. at the wrong time because it's pretty much true. Like it's that classic thing we always say about we followed this particular group of people, but there are other groups of people who, you know, interact, intersect, do different things, live by different rules. Oh, yeah. I mean, it I, made me think, you know, when I was in school and, and, uh, growing up and in high school and that I just I don't know if I just happened to or if it has something to do with me or what but I made really good-hearted friends you know good people I'm still friends with a bunch of them they're like brothers and my mom and grandmother always said I'm so glad you made these friends and now I have two kids and you know watching this scene I'm like oh shit I hope they make good friends too and they don't fall in with a bad crowd and take the wrong path and all that it's so hard because it does have an impact and sometimes those things yeah. can't be helped depending on where you grow up what you know it's it's really hard um and it really highlights that kind of the privilege that judith has had growing up in this sort of loving community whereas other kids like lydia have not had that benefit and it's you know it's it's a stark kind of difference and it was quite a profound thing for her to say to gamma mm-hmm and I like that she's like asking her, you know, what were you like before the whispers? Because mm-hmm. her first instinct is, I mean, she's always talking to the people in jail, which is funny, mm-hmm. but it's, uh, she learned with Negan maybe that there's humanity in everybody. And that's what she's trying. She's almost like mm. calling it forth. And it's almost like saying, you know, I believe in you. I believe there's something else. There's good in you. And, and I want to know about that. And, you know, um, Gamma seems to, relax upon hearing that i think she she's relieved that someone would still see that in her and so i just thought that was a really touching exactly curious yeah and the simplest thing of being like what's your name like yeah. no one's asked her no one in the whispers cares what your name is they don't want is to this know. the first time we've heard her name mary mm, she told aaron but i think we weren't sure oh, if it was okay. true or not at that point oh, right yeah um she got a punch in the face from rosita which you know fair enough sadiq only died two Mm -hmm. days ago so you get that but i also liked at the end that gamma really won rosita's allegiance because she offered herself up in order to save rosita and she helped the kids so it looks like rosita's got a new gal pal (laughs) so that's nice yeah yeah that'd be cool if that relationship it's, it did seem to shift so mm, that's cool. i think so and yeah gamma just generally i buy that she's now on the side of the the team as it were i enjoyed oh, her yeah, interaction with gabe and um, but i'll talk a bit more about gabe in my number one um and yeah i just i like the whole interaction i like that she's believably flawed and i like that she owned up to what she did with her sister immediately because of all people, Father Gabriel can't exactly be like, well, how dare you? <laughs> how dare you do something awful that caused death? And it's like, mm, 
Yes, Gabriel. Remember your whole congregation that you left to die. But you know, that's <laughs> yeah. that's by the by. <laughs> that's in the right. past. Um, that's so long so yeah, ago. <laughs> Thora Birch doing really well, and I loved the yeah. direction of this episode. There were lots of close-up shots of people's faces, and I think Gamma responded really well to that when they were at the the gates, and they really focused in on how uncomfortable she was and how desperate she was to be believed, and that was a cool piece of direction. Yeah, and I like, you know, they ask her what happened to the baby's mother, her sister, and she's just like, she died, but she's, you know, Gabriel intuits that she's not telling the truth or the whole story. And then later when Gabriel confronts her about that and she's like, okay, I killed her. And I felt like she wasn't trying to hide that she was a bad person. She just didn't want to think about it. She didn't want to confront Mm -hmm to herself what she did and Gabriel forcing her to say it out loud was like the first time she's really confronted it in herself that she did that. I think Thora Birch did a really good job too. I think her acting was great in this. And she was super factual about it. She's like, I did it. I can't explain why I did it. Alpha told me to do it. So I did it. Like she was just so like, these are all the things you might ask me, like, why did you do that? And this is the best I can give you or these answers. (laughs) And you could, yeah, yeah, you could see the honesty in that. Because it's a horrible thing to admit to. I mean, but why she would you make pain that up? to me? Oh yeah, pain absolutely. To, to be talking about it, mm-hmm. pained, but like got the facts out. I think. Yeah, yeah. she. Uh, I read an article about her. It's an older article, but just a few years older, and it said, you know, she had these big roles: Hocus Pocus, Ghost World, American Beauty. Mm-hmm. But something about how she didn't want to i think she didn't want to play like sexualized women and she was Mm -hmm. very vocal about it and she wouldn't just do what everyone told her she had to do and so she became known as difficult and she wasn't getting as many roles and she kind of dropped off but i think she's to a lot of women hey right yeah but she's she has been acting but not you know not as big as you might have thought based on her early movies, but mm-hmm. I'm glad to see her in this playing this good role. And uh, my very last Walker Stalker panel was with uh, her and uh, I forget the actress who plays Alpha. Samantha Morton. Samantha, Samantha Morton. Samantha Morton. Yeah. And uh, Samantha. And, <laughs> and, uh, and the the one who plays Lydia was up there too. But anyways, um, she seemed really into stuff that was coming later this season. Oh mm. yeah, I'm really you're gonna like it. And so I think this is kind of what she was talking about, probably. I I really uh, really like Thor Birch. I think she's uh, a really great actress, and I've always liked her older stuff as well. And yeah, I think you're right. She she did kind of go off the space of the uh, off the face of the earth a little bit mm-hmm. because of those reasons. So yeah, it's good to good to see her back, and I hope she maybe gets to stick around. But who knows how this storyline's going to end up? Yeah, right. She could be gone. I thought she was in very much in danger this episode. I was like, mm. no. I don't. I wonder if she's going to be like a Dwight and not. Well, actually, you know, to be fair, Dwight did live. Um, but yeah, I wonder if that's going to be her role is to be a sacrifice or something at some point. Um, Go over to who fear. knows? <laughs> oh God! Oh Lord! So no. My number two is is Gabriel and Rosita, and I really enjoyed Gabriel this episode. You know? What did you see? Your sorry, you said Gabriel and Rosita. Yeah, that's my number one. This is yeah. great. <laughs> so, and I I don't know if um. I didn't think he was perfect, but I just enjoyed watching him more than mm. I usually do. Um, yeah, same. And, 
and that's great. He's very decisive and he's making decisions powerfully. And you can tell there's uh, some of him being triggered in there, the way he's talking about, he wants to torture them and take their fingers off and stuff. Mm -hmm. But he's also, he feels like right now it feels like he's the leader in Alexandria, at least while everybody else is gone. And he's, he's being a strong leader and that was really interesting. And I thought, and I feel like maybe they're letting Gabriel be a little more like Seth Gilliam is more dry mm-hmm. and aloof. Like when Gamma said, ask God if I'm dying. And he said, I've spoken to God. He told me to hang you. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> I really want to get that on one of those, like, you know, live life, love decals. But like, he told me to hang you. <laughs> yeah. So with, with Rosita and Gabriel, at first when they're arguing about which one of them is more erratic and shouldn't go on the mission because they'll endanger it. I was, I had that feeling like, come on, mom, dad, stop arguing. This is yeah. me out. <laughs> but, um, like get marriage counseling or something. But, but, um, by the end they're, they're good. And, you know, when they're, when they find out about this supposed herd, Gabriel makes the call that he's going to go help break it up and then head to the cave. But Rosita's going to stay back and guard the gates. And then he apologizes to her. I'm not trying to speak for you, but I'm like, well, you just exactly did just that. Mm-hmm. And and then he's, she says, no, it's fine. I don't trust myself anyway. And I'm like, but you were just arguing that you should go on the mission. So in that moment, I was sort of like, man, you guys are all over the place. But then they had a kiss and that felt good. Like, okay, I, I, you know, I want them to feel like they're on the same page together or else don't be a couple because it's, it is, it feels like arguing parents to me, but, um, by the end of this, you know, Rosita's going to the hilltop for a doctor and she's leaving the baby with him saying, I want her safe and safe is with you. And that just felt good. Like I felt like these characters might've leveled up a little bit for me in this episode. Mm. I think what, what I got from that scene at the gates was, I think that Gabriel read in Rosita's face that she was suddenly uncertain because the camera kind of lingered on Christian Serratos and you could see that her face was kind of not that confident and I think he saw that and then swept in because the first time I Uh, watched it I was like what? I'd be raging. That makes more sense. Yeah. The fact that she was like, no, that's cool, made me think, yeah, he's. Right. And, and, and that, him saying, apologizing, like, I don't want to speak for you means that maybe he did see something that he was. Yeah. Speaking and for. I think that made, that was one of the things in this episode that really made me buy them as a couple because up to now, I haven't. I've just been like, really? Him? But this <laughs> episode, I was like, yeah, they've kind of got a thing going on. I liked that they argued. Yeah casually in the dining room when they're putting on their bulletproof vest which i just find you know as you do of a weeknight yeah coco's just like oh they're just doing their thing (laughs) back when rose i've said this a lot but when rosita went to him for advice when she was thinking about killing negan Mm -hmm. um i feel like for the first time since then some of that connected energy has come back in this episode that they had way back then so there's one part that I was uh, felt a little critical of Gabriel when they're talking about um, whether they should f- d- go to the place on the map that Gamma just pointed out. Mm-hmm. Rosita's like, what? She, you're sure she's not lying? And Gabriel says, I'm sure she isn't. You, you all are hesitating because you're afraid of them, right? You shouldn't be. That's why I brought her in here so you could see that they're cowards. We broke her completely. And if we can break her, we can break the others. And I'm like, well, actually, she came to you saying, I want to yeah. help and I'll show you on a map where your friends are. And that's what she just did. 
So I don't see how that was breaking her. <laughs> Gabriel's version of good cop, bad cop is very different. <laughs> uh, uh, but then he continues um, just talking about how if you come across them, keep them alive and start pulling teeth and taking fingers. And <laughs> Rosita's just like, A, no, and B, you didn't do that, you idiot. Like, she just told us. Right. <laughs> I know. Like, it doesn't quite match up. But I think there, one reason why they had him talk about that is another little setup. It reminded us, r- reminding us that Gabriel killed Dante and seems exciting about torturing more whispers is mm-hmm. a way to ratchet up the tension in the scene towards the end where he had a gun to Gamma after Beta mm-hmm. ran off and she's saying, mm-hmm. no, I'm telling the truth. I thought maybe he was going to shoot her in the face right there. I really wondered at that moment. I was like, yeah. how does he know? And I'm glad that Gamma got out of the whole situation because I wondered when I was rewatching it, as I understand it, the Whisperers got them out by finding two of their sentry and holding them at knife point and making them radio home. Yeah. And, and I wondered... Was a herd. Yeah, and I wondered if they were going to think Gamma was part of that ruse and just mm. kill her. But mm-hmm. thankfully they didn't. Although they should have kind of a safe word over the radio or something. Right. That you like put in so that you know that you're like someone's there or you're not telling the truth. But I don't know. That's just me. That's just... Yeah. What the way would I would run things. Safe word. Hot dog, hot dog. Hot dog, hot dog. <laughs> Friday McTwo knives, Friday McTwo knives. <laughs> okay, what's your, do you have any more? You said your number one was Gabriel. My number one was Gabe and Rosita. Um, I'm, yeah, that was it really. Um, Something to talk about in comic talk, but aside from that, it was just nice to see Gabe and Rosita as kind of a unit. And I like where they're taking Gabriel especially. Um, They've softened Rosita and they've made Gabriel a bit stronger. And I think that's a nice kind of meshing of the two of them there. Very cool. My number one was Gamma, which we've mostly talked out. But one thing I thought was interesting is when Rosita, when they're in like the community room or whatever and talking about going to the cave and Rosita's like, well, what about the border? And Gamma says, it's clear and it's too long for Alpha to defend. And I'm like, oh, Alpha would be really mad at that because she's sort of exposing that the mm-hmm. whispers aren't as imposing as they've been able to make everybody think they are. Mm-hmm. You know, Gamma knows. I mean, Alpha knows how to really put fear in everybody. But this is sort of the stark truth is oh, she can't cover the whole thing. Don't worry about it. We just don't have the manpower. We just don't have it. We had layoffs. Some people left and come back. Like it's awkward, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, that was it. What about notes? Uh, Notes wise, Aaron's back, but not everyone else is back. Um, But I couldn't figure out who would have gone where after the caves. So I don't know if we're going to get a flashback episode where we see why the group has been separated because we just see Aaron return. So it was Aaron, well, Kelly, Jerry, Daryl and Carol all survived the caves. That I got of. the impression that they were all there. They just weren't together. Do you That's think and his, his, we got separated is just about Carol about, and maybe the two that were left. Yeah. Car- well, I don't even know for sure. Carol, but um, definitely Daryl and um, Magna and, 
Connie. Uh, Connie, yeah. yeah. I just wondered because they didn't show them, so that's why I was yeah. just like, hmm, they, are they, they, there? they probably saved a little money not having them in the episode, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Again, <laughs> manpower. We just couldn't get them in for this time. Uh, everything else, I think we've covered. I mentioned Morgan Street. I love Judith's face after she shoots a gun. She always just looks a little bit surprised. Like, oh. <laughs> yeah. She's oh. so good, man. I mean, I love Carl and I miss Carl, but Judith is so great you know it's so she's great. a different kind of character too she is she's i think for the way the show is now she's good i really yeah. like i like right. what they've done with her More comic um book-y. i've spoken to god he told me to hang you is my new uh like go-to for when people annoy me um <laughs> that's it for me uh, how about you any notes yeah so gabriel and when, when gabriel and everyone go out to take care of the herd and they find oh there is no herd then this line of gabriel's they were forced to call. Must have held the knife to her throat to make him call us and lie. Why? Well, most of us are out here. There's hardly anybody back home. <laughs> Reminds me of this line. If they traced the robots here, they may have learned who they sold them to, and that would lead them back home. <laughs> oh, wait, Luke! <laughs> That's totally what I thought of right there. <laughs> It's totally filmic as well, just the way he delivers it. Like, yeah. that will lead them to here. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm sure Seth Gilliam was thinking about that. <laughs> oh, yeah. I believe I, I can buy that. Oh, that was my other note. We got some Scott. I love Scott. Scott mm-hmm. is like one of the longest running sort of C-list characters. But yeah. he's, it's Kendrick, Dr- Kendrick Green, isn't it? It's Sonequa yeah. Martin-Green's husband. Yeah, I always think of her when I see him. Like, can't yeah. believe he's still on the show. And she's I know. Like, d- does he go there for like to film and they look i don't know but it's nice to see him i like scott yeah. i hope he doesn't get killed off that means he will get killed off next week but it was he's good a likely him. candidate these days when they're they've got all these main characters with plot armor well he must be sweating now that laura's gone because yeah, like, <laughs> right. like, who's, who, he's looking around who's left um which characters do you miss any from earlier seasons yeah, just that aren't on the show anymore. Like, when I say that, does anyone pop up? Oh, good question. Um, I found myself thinking about Tara a little bit in this episode, but yeah. I don't know if I, like, miss, miss her. Miss I would her. say I miss Glenn and Maggie. Those would be two characters I miss. I liked Glenn on the show, and I liked Maggie a lot, and I'm sorry that we didn't get to see more of her before uh, she left. So yeah. those would be the two that I probably miss. I don't miss Rick. You don't? No. I miss Rick because I love the character, but I also love the w- what's opened up for the show without having him be there. So it's kind of weird, mm-hmm. you know? I think that's it. I'd love if, like, say at the end of the show entirely, we have Rick come back and see how things have progressed. Yeah. That would be totally welcome from me. But it, it Everyone's d- it, dead and I Rick, think it, Rick shambles. Yeah. Rick's there like, hello, I've just gotten back from <laughs> my back. holiday. And they're like, yeah, everyone died. Well He's done. Got a full English I, accent. I, I think it's like unfortunate that, or very fortunate, I don't know, that Rick left just as the show was on this upward curve. I know. Um, so I don't know if the reason I don't miss him is because the show has gotten so much better. Um, or but part if it's because of his character why it was... got better is because he's not there. I'm not, I mean, maybe just a very small part, but I do think that is part of it because it's mm-hmm. opened up more story potential for other characters. Absolutely. You so know. yeah, I miss those would be I would say Glenn and Maggie. Those would be the two that I I miss. Mm-hmm. But I think the show is doing a good job of keeping us, you know, 
papering the cracks as it were. And I, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, I miss a lot of characters. I miss Glenn and, and, uh, Rick and Carl too. But, uh, mm. I actually am okay with that because one of the reasons I loved about the comic before the show ever started and when walking dead was my favorite comic is that they had the courage to kill favorite characters off. And then mm-hmm. you went through this whole grieving process and it doesn't sound pleasant, but that's sort of a central thing in this show and, and the comic. And mm. it's a safe kind of grieving to get to experience cause they're just characters, but still, um, I don't mm-hmm. know. That's part of the show for me. So I'm okay. I'm good. With I it. miss, uh, I would have liked to have had more time with Heath and Denise. Those were two characters I feel like didn't get yeah. the full gambit of what I, especially Denise actually because Merritt Weaver is such a great actress. But, you know, that was a while ago now. I don't it's not like I miss them every day. It's more just, oh, if I could bring a couple of random characters back, I'd be interested to see where those two would right. fit in now. Yeah, they should do some alternate universe show with Denise, Heath, and Gareth from the Termites. <laughs> Gareth was great. We, I mean, yeah, love that guy, Gareth. Yeah. What a top-notch fella. Um, but he was actually a really good, a good uh, villain. I think with yeah. Heath, they did confirm that he'd been taken by Jadis off-screen, didn't they? They can confirm that in an interview. You know what would what people would? Um, I think they may have. Yeah. You know what I think people would totally go for is if they just did a one-off alternate episode of Walking Dead, showing Shane coming back and being in one of the later episodes because people always wondered what Shane would do, you know? Uh-huh. <laughs> Just have John Brenthal come back and meet the governor or something. <laughs> I love that. We could do a choose your own adventure yeah. with Shane. Like, who are you going to punch in the face? The governor or Negan? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, that's enough. Let's uh, take a little break. There's more to come. Stay with us. Obvious threat to untold numbers of citizens. The people he kills get up and kill. Are they slow moving, Chief? Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. This is a Walking Deadcast news update. All right. Angela Kang was interviewed by a Hollywood reporter. They were talking about the genesis of how this, you know, the idea came up for this episode. Mm. She says, my writer, Jim Barnes, who wrote the episode, had pitched this idea of Halloween in Alexandria with Beta. I love that mm. idea, but it was hard to know where to slot it. But this came up as the right place in the story where we have Beta making a very big move. The concept was so strong and striking. It was a matter of figuring out the logistics of how does he get inside. We figured that Dante was a spy, so he created a back door into Alexandria through a grave. Then we wanted to unleash him and wreak havoc on Alexandria. It was really fun for us to do. Our director, Bronwyn Hughes, did such an amazing job with the visuals and paying tribute to tropes of the slasher genre, but also making it feel fresh. When we got to do an episode that's a high concept from the horror genre, it's really fun for us. We're all big geeks mm-hmm. for this stuff, and Ryan Hurst had a great time getting to murder a bunch of people. <laughs> <laughs> While meditating. <laughs> right, right. Uh, AMC.com talked with Seth Gilliam. I, I thought this was pretty interested, interesting, so I'm going to read a little more of this than I usually do. They say, Gabriel has come such a long way since we first met him in the woods. What kind of evolution have you noticed in your character? 
He says, since we first met him, I've noticed that he's gained a great deal of self-assuredness. He's much more confident that he's actually following the will of God. He's not struggling with his faith and beliefs the way he was when we first met him and when he felt like he had failed God and failed himself. So apparently he thinks God mm. wants him to cut people's fingers off. <laughs> and hang them. <laughs> <laughs> they said, you've seen your share of villains on the show. How have you been enjoying playing with the Whispers? It's been a lot of fun playing with the idea of a cold war and your fears and paranoia is playing on your decision making. It's very different from the war with Negan, with, which was a back and forth in your face assault with weapons. This one is far more insidious and terrifying. They plant ideas in your head and have you question your decision making and what's the right direction to take. It's dealing with people who are like a massive cult. They have the mindset of a cult as opposed to people who are just trying to rob you. The saviors are like the mafia and these guys are like a Jim Jones cult. So he pretty much sums nice. it up right there. <laughs> yes, that's cool. Yeah. They say, how do you imagine the loss of Sadiq affects Gabriel? The loss of Sadiq affects him very deeply. He, lo he looks upon Sadiq like a brother and not necessarily as a former lover of his current lover or as a rival. <laughs> <laughs> they were in this together they both shared a love for the same woman wherever there is love there's joy that's not something to be minimized with the ego there are, these are not selfish ideas that they're putting forth you can have people who have had a past come together with people who are building a future it works if you build it together i thought that was really nice that's so sweet mm -hmm. and they did a good job of showing that on screen too Yes. Uh, what about the loss of Avi on the show? You and Josh McDermott often talk about the little brother dynamic you two have with him. He says, yeah, it's always bittersweet to lose someone on the show because you miss them, but you're excited for what they have coming up in the future. We did have a good deal of fun ruffling his feathers and teasing him at all times. He was a great sport about it. I hope that closeness and that ease that we had with each other off screen radiated onto the screen. Aww. Mm. And then last, they say, in the episode, even Rosita is a bit taken aback by how hungry Gabriel seems to be for a fight. What's it like finding those new avenues in your character? He says, it's been fun to play. You want to stay true to the person you first met, but acknowledging the changes they've gone through. Each of us is growing every day as people. It's been fun to play with the darker sides of Father Gabriel, the side that doesn't have patience and that it isn't so willing to listen when he has his mindset that these people are a form of evil and must be conquered and destroyed. With the saviors, they were bad people who had to be defeated. Father Gabriel sees the whispers as a far more insidious brand, so he's more gung-ho about eradicating them. Oh, yeah, I guess I could see that with a pastor. He sees them as just being pure evil. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's much more binary, isn't it? Maybe, yeah. Uh, Deadline reported that Coleman Domingo, who, of course, is Strand on Fear of the Walking Dead, signed a first-look deal with AMC, which I guess... A first look deals when a film or TV company pays to have the first right to make an offer on anything the person writes, mm -hmm. something like that. So he's a writer. He's directed some of Fear, a couple episodes of Fear. He's a 20-year veteran theater director and writer. He's developed a series based on his play Dot two years ago. I don't know if that came out. Um, right now he's a recurring actor on HBO's Euphoria and he's going to be in Jordan Peele's upcoming Candyman remake. So he's, he's <gasps> super busy. I saw him in the trailer and I was like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and he's talented and he's really energetic. And I suspect that he's restless on fear and wants to be doing other things. But maybe AMC mm -hmm. did this to help keep him on there a little bit longer. I don't know. I that 
smells about right to me to be honest yeah but we recently you and i were talking about how we'd like fear to end and for garrett dillahunt and alicia debdom carry to move over to walking dead and i'm like mm-hmm. yeah i would like coleman domingo to go over there too yeah he's a, he's like their strongest player in a lot of ways and mm. yeah i think they they need to up their ante to keep him on there to be honest you think he's stronger than garrett I don't know. I think because we've had Strand for longer, I feel a certain like loyalty to them. I'd yeah. say the three of them are pretty well matched. I think Strand and and Garrett's characters are so different. It's yeah, hard very to say. Different. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. Strand, I, like I miss. You know, they they haven't mm-hmm. written him well, and no. they created John Dory, so they've got him down pretty well. But um, exactly, it's that if we could bring back season three yeah. or four Strand, three totally. Strand, three, three, that yeah. would be great. Yeah, three, three or four. No, three. Yeah, three. <laughs> totally. Three. Last item this coming Saturday, March seventh, they're going to be screening the first episode of The Walking Dead: World Beyond at Wizard World Cleveland. So, oh. if you, if anyone listening's going to that, maybe you could write in and let us know how it was. That'd be cool. Wizard World is that one of the Leaky Cauldron cons? I don't know that con. Hmm, interesting. It's pretty big. They they they're just this big pop culture convention that happens in cities all around. Yeah. Do you think they'll scoop up quite a lot of Walking Dead cast members now? I mean, they've already had Walking Dead cast members. Uh, they've had Norman um, over the years. You know, he's gone mm. back and forth. But I don't know. Yeah, maybe. But they're doing, I don't know if um, I've mentioned this very much on the podcast, but Fandemic Dead is doing a show, a convention, a Walking Dead convention in Atlanta this October. So basically they're taking over, you know, with the vacuum left by Walker Stalker. It's even in the same place where we used to have okay. it. So that, uh, if you guys want to get your fix, check that out, Fandemic Dead. Fandemic Dead, cool. Mm-hmm. All right, that's it for the news. Let's move on to listener moans, groans, grunts. Uh, Steve Madrid says, good episode. It was tense, exciting, creepy, and kind of sad. Alex Leach says, some of the best action the show's ever had. The one-on-one battles were incredible and it was super suspenseful. Tina Spivey Houston says, so good. Thumb emoji, I can't see the other emoji, another thumb emoji, and another emoji I can't read. I only see the two thumbs. Yeah, I've got two, like, flesh-colored squares. <laughs> it's a bit weird. Two flesh-colored <laughs> squares up. Natasha Bedgiani says, intense. Justin Daniel says, beta out here pulling his best Michael Myers impression, and I love it. Jenny Shoot says, great episode, but Judith should definitely know the double tap rule at this point. Completely agree. Doug Fix says, day drinking or not, maybe the best episode <laughs> I've seen this season. Judith can hang. This is good. Is, is, can hang? Is that good? Are we talking about hanging a little girl? Or is no, that no. Thing? It means she can hang out with the big boys. Oh, nice. Judith can hang. <laughs> <Yeah>. Okay, cool. <laughs> Kyle Nasatka says, I don't know, but I'm definitely buying a Subaru. I guess there were a lot of Subaru commercials. I don't know. <laughs> That's good. Maria Lawson says, got a little horror movie trope like with the whole villain grabs leg after you think he's dead thing. But overall, a solid episode. They're all about tricking us into thinking someone will die this season. Totally. I figured Gabriel for a goner after that hold my hat Rosita and see you later scene with her. Seeing through Daryl's bloody eyes was pretty cool too. 
The fact that he is still alive after all that blood loss will have to live in the suspension of disbelief category for this week. (laughs) Thomas Somara says, the only thing I had to put in suspension of disbelief, when Daryl pulls the knife out of his leg and the blood squirted up in a stream, that would mean he was hit in the femoral artery and he would have bled to death in under five minutes. (laughs) You know, I know Thomas and I know he would actually know that because he's a serial killer. So... Thanks for writing. Oh, in. that makes sense. Yeah. Thanks, Thomas. Stay <laughs> safe. Stay hidden. Uh, Jessica Howice says uh, the classic horror movie feel from Beta's grand entrance was so cool to see in the show, and the fight between Daryl and Alpha was so intense. And although I'm sure they won't kill Daryl, that felt so close. Also, respect to badass Laura. She never got enough credit. Is it because of the neck tattoo? Probably. <laughs> Mildly worried about Rosita, considering all lovely scenes with Gaby Boy and the mm-hmm. fact that she left Coco behind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree, Jessica. I gave you that one on purpose because Jessica said that you were the only one who pronounces her name correctly, so now I know how to pronounce it. Jessica Howice. Yeah, uh, that is because I speak a little bit of German. Mm-hmm. I actually used to speak really good German, but it's not as good now, so I won't mm-hmm. bore you with it, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> Jason Robertson said, I, as usual, loved it. I hate that we lost Laura, the only good savior as far as I can tell. <coughs> Alden. <coughs> <laughs> what about Negan? Such a feeling oh, yeah, of dread yeah. this episode and beta is BA. Glad Daryl made it. I was worried for a little while. That's one guy I'm never worried about. Don't get mm-hmm. bit. Alex Baelish says, loved the episode much better than last week's. Alpha may be crazy, but she's no dummy. That tumble was simply brilliant. Loved Judith bringing the heat Clint Eastwood style. Great pacing, I felt, and the end scene with Alpha was so creepy. I can't wait to see more. So glad to hear you both. Oh, you too, Alex. Karen Chi says, this was a tense and thrilling episode, unlike any other that we've seen. Good point. I think it's because Beta Mm -hmm. broke into houses and slit people's throats like Michael Myers. (laughs) So uncouth. That oh, might have rude. something to do with it. Yeah. It definitely sent a chill down my spine. The show's bringing all they've got in terms of horror. I was so scared that I stood away from the screen and covered my eyes for some scenes. I was surprised that such a scary episode also made me emotional. As somebody who tries to stay aware of her privilege, I teared up when Judith told Gamma slash Mary that her life would have turned out differently had she just met Rick and Michonne first. A lot of success in life depends on where, when, how, and to whom we are born. Both privilege and poverty are compounded when passed down. The scene Mm -hmm. reminded me of the themes that Jordan Peele explored in Us. Oh, and I really loved Rosita and Gabriel in this episode. I've never really cared for them individually and especially not as a couple. But this episode had me fearing for Rosita's life. Both actors did a fine job this week. Yeah, I agree with everything you said. Agree. Yeah, that's really great definitely uh jeremy moore says i really loved the fact that the show returned to classic horror movie tropes last night so much of the show in past years has been long exhausted faces and conversations about how we build rebuild society in the wake of the apocalypse blah 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 um last night beta was unleashed and from the moment he rose up out of a grave and slashed his way through a dark house he was absolutely horrifying he is clearly the new big bad so much better than negan who was really just annoying misogynistic and unnecessarily violent there's something about the way they do beta that is pure evil between the music and the choreography i was on the edge of my seat mm. yeah I, th- I i like i mean negan who came in acted like a big dickhead and arrogant <laughs> and just basically putting his thumb on your head you know just like holding yeah like that i think was really interesting and unique for the mm-hmm. first 
several hours of it. Yeah. <laughs> and then after a while, it's like, okay. And after 10 years. Yeah, right. 10 years later, that's enough. Grippy Bob Tavolino says, as great as the episode was, I kept on wondering about other characters. As always, when the show plot lines are fractured into one to three character story arcs, how come Aaron made it back, but not Carol or Jerry? This episode also cemented that when Alpha dies, what's her name will not be an heir. <laughs> this episode was good, but borderline disappointing because I thought Alpha would die. I know stupid me and perhaps Beta would be in the prison and eventually taken out by someone other than Daryl. Well, they got a, they got a, the rest of the season to deal with. Indeed, six episodes, Griffy Bob, six episodes. <laughs> Rick Montalvan says, Rosita and Gabriel finally becoming top-tier characters. The intensity and all the cool horror bits make this an excellent episode. I know Jason was ecstatic when Beta burrowed from Dante's <laughs> grave. Add in Daryl and Alpha stalking each other, and this was a unique show. Awesome. Awesome feedback, guys. Thank you so much. Here's a couple of calls, three to be exact. First one is from mm-hmm. Greg Schwamm. There, Jason and Lucy. Uh, this is Greg uh, calling about uh, Stalker. Uh, so just a, a, a few things that uh, just kind of questions that came to mind. So some random uh, whisperer just kind of hangs out in this dark-ass tunnel waiting for, with a, a lantern, waiting for someone to light a match so they can hand him the lantern. Oh, this yeah. seems pretty creepy. Yeah, that. What uh, a job! <laughs> our friend Derek, uh, there was a very Derek-looking guard outside of, of Alexandria. Uh, Gabriel, Gabriel got got real dark with this. Oh, start pulling teeth, start breaking fingers, what the hell ever. Mm. Um, so, I suspension of disbelief. Daryl, like you hit a femoral artery, like Daryl's going to bleed out in a matter of possibly minutes, <laughs> probably hours. Um, uh, I just, it was hard to, hard to accept that. Uh, and then that, that tunnel from wherever the hell they were from the RV to, uh, to the graveyard, like that is a long ass con. <laughs> like I'm not a hundred percent sure how you, how Dante digs a tunnel, however many feet or miles or whatever the case is and maintains the structure of it and all that. But to believe that that stabbing the enemy two knives was able to like <laughs> basically be a sapper and uh, go for a couple of miles in a small tunnel, like I mean, don't get me wrong, the cave was very claustrophobic last week, but uh, I can only imagine what it would be like to dig your way out of a grave uh, at the other end of you know however many miles anyway mm-hmm. oh uh last thing double tap double tap <laughs> double tap double tap you gotta double tap beta could have been done but no we just assume that he's dead double tap all Always right double tap. you guys uh have a good one look forward to the uh podcast bye i'm just picturing beta with his two knives uh, like actually digging the tunnel you know (laughs) (laughs) well i've just realized that really and truly dante was a mole (laughs) (laughs) sorry (laughs) (laughs) we never saw his hands they were actually little mole (laughs) little claws okay that's why we never saw his hands all right here is (gasps) and hi guys 
That was a pretty intense episode. So much going on. It was really good to see lots of action. I did find last week's episode in the cave a little bit monotonous, so this was quite cool. Uh, I thought the Daryl and Alpha fight was really intense. I actually thought one of them might die. I knew story-wise that they weren't going to kill them off yet, but it was really well done and really intense. The Daryl cam was funny, seeing out of his eyes with all the red blood and um, I just wondered if that's how he always sees because of his greasy hair dangling in his eyes maybe that's um, just us getting to finally see what the world looks like for Daryl I loved the move that he pulled taking the knife out of his own leg and stabbing the walker it was exactly like Aragorn and Lurtz (gasps) at the end of the Fellowship of the Ring I'm sure Lucy picked up on that one (laughs) I thought the acting from Thora Birch was amazing as well and so, so creepy when Beta was um, stalking through Alexandria. Um, I was kind of on the edge of my seat for a lot of the episode. Even though it did feel a little bit all over the place, um, it was really action-packed, and I liked that when stuff actually happens. See ya! Oh, amazing. Yeah, I give this one high marks. We used to rate between a one or you know five-point scale, and I'd give it... I would definitely be four four point or four 4.5 yeah i'd give it like if going by how i used to rate things probably a 4.7 yeah 4.7 maybe even really really high because it had scares and also touching moments and i never felt bored and there were some this part of the suspension of disbelief things so maybe a 4.7 yeah and that seems fair (laughs) (laughs) all right one more from steve brown steve brown Hello, Walking Dead cast. This is Steve, and this is for Stalker. Um, uh, another good episode. I'm really enjoying this back half of season 10. I, mean, I think I've enjoyed season 10 completely, but a uh, <laughs> couple of things, though. I'll, I'll just give three real quick things here. Uh, there was a lot of face focusing in this episode. I don't know if anybody else noticed that, or maybe I just overanalyzed it. I mean, not like Sam Raimi-esque mm. face focusing direction, but definitely seemed like there was a lot of face focusing i love that we appear apparently we have badass daryl is back he's you know doing his ninja thing fighting uh multiple uh, bad guys and whisperers and zeds all at the same time that was really really cool um of course it gives us disbelief a little bit on that he was able to stop the bleeding after he pulled that knife out but uh and i'm kind of liking this kind of cold-blooded Gabriel uh, that we have and uh, I really like I'm uh, I never had a problem with his relationship with Rosita but I'm really seeing more and more now how it really is a great romance that they have it's a great relationship they have to where he can he can kind of tell when she's struggling and uh, so just uh, she's feels safe with him and just really enjoy it uh, and can't wait to hear what you guys thought. Talk to you later. I'm glad to hear. Hey, yeah. People are responding similar to how I did to Gabriel mm-hmm. and Rosita in this episode. That's cool. I mean, for sure. One of them is going to die, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thanks again, all you guys for all your comments. That's uh, really an awesome, I mean, just makes me feel really thankful that you guys are taking part and i've always it's always been my intention with this podcast from the very beginning to make it kind of communal and have people engage so keep that stuff coming oh yeah definitely 
Now we're going to, I forgot to do it last week, but we, we're going to just do a small comic talk section. This is going to yes. sort of compare some of the things from the comic and it will be spoilery for the comic and so possibly for the show too. So if you don't want to hear spoilery stuff from the comic that may happen in the show, you should probably just skip to the end segment now. Um, I want to mention last week when Negan jokingly or not so jokingly said is this like a praying mantis thing where you're going to cut my head off afterwards and (laughs) i i think we talked about it last week but in the comic he cuts her head off he does after uh going in for a smooch yeah i mean it's not quite as r-rated but yeah right they don't actually have sex right but it's like no they're they're building a romance or it seems like he's seducing her and then he cuts her head off and one of the best things about the comics was sometimes the covers would be quite abstract and there's quite an iconic cover of Alpha and Nina and uh, Nina? Who's <laughs> Nina? Alpha and Negan. Sorry, clearly I need a cup of tea. Uh, Alpha and Negan in kind of like a romance sort of embrace. Like he's holding her and sort of looking at her like an old-fashioned kind of Gone with the Wind-esque pose that sort of teases that um, that eventuality. And yeah, that is that is almost exactly what he does to her. Um, only with less sex. <laughs> <laughs> and then you mentioned something about this week. Yes, when Gabriel was heading out, he mentions that he is going to the Watchtower and he hands over his hat to Rosita. And in the comics, I believe... Big I spoiler be wrong, coming up. Gab- <laughs> yeah, massive spoiler. Do not listen <laughs> if you don't want to be spoiled. Gabriel's death is one of the most horrible in the comics <laughs> because when he's looking out for one of the Whisperer hordes, he slips coming down a ladder on the watchtower and breaks his leg and he's left hanging upside down and walkers come and start to eat him while he is still alive and we don't actually i don't think the characters become aware of what's happened to gabriel in the kind of confusion of the war so it's a pretty gruesome way to go so when they said watchtower i had a major red flag but that seems to have been a red herring for now yeah i feel like they're at this point they're definitely trolling us like oh, they're yes. trying to make us think things but sometimes people mm-hmm. do die so you just never know but yeah man that was like the most ridiculous death ever in the walking oh, dead oh it was awful yeah horrifying it was just so <laughs> horrifying and just literally the worst you're just like oh this is so brutal right. and yeah that is that is where he dies so it's um i hope that that is not what happens, but they were definitely teasing Could be. it. It would be fun to watch. <laughs> but, oh my uh, goodness. But uh, I, we had Walker Stalker San Francisco right after that issue came out, and I oh, had yes. a panel that had, uh, I forget, a few people, and Seth Gilliam was one of them. And I asked him, so did you read the comic? And he just gave me this dirty look, which he's kidding. He does that all the time. He's like, yeah, yeah, I don't want to talk about it. (laughs) Yeah, he's like, "Uh, no, thank you. (laughs) All right, that is our show, episode 387. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, I want to remind you guys again, which I probably will do every episode to please vote in the election if you're not sure if you're registered you can go to votesaveamerica.com you can find out if you're registered or you can register there i challenge everyone listening to my voice if you never even thought about voting you're the ones i'm trying to reach so i think you'll feel really good if you go out and vote this time exercise your franchise 
Otherwise, if you want to give us a call, you can call us at 650-485-DEAD. That's 650-485-3323. You can email us at brains at podcast.com. You can find us on the web at facebook.com slash deadcast. And be sure to check out our other shows at podcastica.com. Yeah, I'm doing Lock and Key on Strange Indeed right now with Rima, and I'm really falling in love with that show. I, I wasn't totally sure at first, but as each episode comes out, I, it's really my my kind of thing, and I'm digging it. It's a little teen romances, uh, so if you are, really don't like that kind of thing, then you probably won't like it. But it's also really inventive, and it's dark, and it's just really good. Oh, that's exciting. And Westworld is coming back uh, next Ooh. week, and or the week after, the 15th, I think. And I'm planning on doing an episode before that to get everybody caught up, kind of like mm-hmm. y- you and I did for Walking Dead. Very so good idea. Yep. Look for that. I it, uh, some people, I think, still don't realize, but there's not just the Walking Dead cast. There's other podcasts. And if you go to podcastica.com, you can find them all. There's the Westworld one on there, and there's Strange Indeed, which is we're doing Lock and Key right now. Next episode of this podcast, Walking Dead Season 10, Episode 11, Morningstar, which I think is probably a reference to Aaron's Morningstar stump hand. Oh, yeah. I guess. All right. That's our show. Thanks for listening. Don't Don't get get bit. bit. Jason Jason Hill. Hill.